This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. So Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for April 8th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You could find our podcast on the Voices of Wrestling RSS feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all the podcast platforms available. I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, and I'm joined, as always, by Case Lowe. And Case, this has been a little bit of a weird like last few weeks, and I feel like that this is going to be a little bit of a weird episode. Mike, there is no normal in the world we are living in. Unfortunately, one of the few things that is consistent in my life right now is the fact that I am talking to you on a near weekly basis to discuss either the happenings in the world of Drangate proper or uh, if you've listened to our rewatch and rewind series, the happenings in Drangate USA from a decade ago. Things are strange. Things are only going to get stranger but I'm glad I can be here with you to talk about it. Yeah, and even though things are strange and we're pretty much now in some fashion of a hiatus, obviously because of COVID-19, but there still is some wrestling to talk about, and I think that there still probably will be a little bit of wrestling in the future for us to talk about, at least as in the current day. So this episode, we're going to talk about the... Uh, Empty Arena Show from the 4th at Kobe Sambo Hall. It'll be up on the network until, I think, the 12th. I want to say the 12th. And then there's some other topics we're going to hit, too, as well. They just posted all the Kobe Worlds, I think, until the 13th. There's the Best Bout series on the network. So we're going to have just kind of topics, just kind of wide-reaching about what is Dragon Gate's kind of position right now in the wrestling scene in this very uncertain time. I think that's pretty much the best way to describe this show we're going to have, Case. Yeah, it should be a, a hodgepodge of, again, the current events, and then um, I've compiled a list of Kobe World recommendations that we'll get into at the end, but I think we should start with the April 4th Kobe Sambo Hall Empty Arena Show. Yeah, so this is their second Empty Arena Show in Kobe in the last three weeks. It's, it's been kind of fortunate they were able to do this. I am of the belief that the only reason this show really happened is because they had to get the GHC title match out of the way before the Global Tag League, personally. But yeah, so there is both English and Japanese commentary available. Uh, it was the last show that Larry Dallas did before he returned back to the United States, and I don't know what the situation will be for the future shows. I wouldn't be surprised if they just do just Japanese commentary or just J until Larry is back in the back in japan so well it should be mentioned that 
I guess we could just mention this up top that the remaining shows in April have been canceled and the early shows in March. So the first week of March, basically, which is the lead up to dead or alive in Aichi that show uh, included have all been canceled. So Larry Dallas was planning on being in Japan through dead or alive. And when dead or alive, obviously uh, was canceled. Uh, I think Larry got word a little bit, before that or had just made the decision on his own to go home luckily he's back in the states now but because there is no dead or alive i do not know the next time we will hear english commentary larry dallas does not know the next time he will be back in japan there's a whole lot up in the air right now i was talking to mike before we started recording and my general thought is that until something drastically changes we will be seeing empty arena Kobe Sambo hall shows, and that will be it for uh, the time being. I don't know what they're going to do in regards to King of Gate. I don't know if that May Corkin show is going to happen, but we're losing the first of the big five shows this year, and hopefully that is the only one that we lose. But again, there's so much up in the air, and there is so much uncertainty uh, in Dragon Gate, let alone the world right now. Yeah, so... Basically, everything through May 6th is canceled. They still have a couple shows in that golden week that they still have announced, including a May 8th Corkin. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, Case, you're on the same page with me about that. It's really what we're looking into. And if you're someone that doesn't really keep abreast of what's going on in Japan, there's really two things you should kind of follow and watch. Because if these two things get postponed, the nods are more things get postponed. The first one is the their baseball league npb they don't have a start date yet and the second one is the next sumo basho which is supposed to take place in may they did have one in march that was behind closed doors they did empty budokan not budokan sorry empty sumo hall for that but the next one there's been a lot of talk about it getting canceled getting it moved so if you're trying to see like what might be an indicator for pro wrestling to really restart in japan watch those two things but I think it's fair to say, and this is just me, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying anything that I've heard, but just my opinion that I think we're probably going to be looking at June, and the big weekend that I'd be looking at as a best case is the June 2nd Cork and Hall show, and then the traditional back-to-back shows in Fukuoka. Traditionally, that's when King of Gate finals happen, so if things are good to go then, which I'd best case scenario they could easily do a very quick king of gate tournament they could do like an eight person three night show to get ready for for kobe world in july but we might realistically be looking at the promotion starting up again in july right before kobe world and i think that that's probably if i was to guess i think that would be the fair guess at this point of what are your thoughts about that it would be very fun if the promotion were able to hit the ground running on June 2nd and run a Cork and Hall that is, at, you know, at best mostly full. Or I guess, I you know, with the way Japan kind of has been treating this, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if Drangit was able to draw a relatively nice crowd uh, if they were able to run Cork and Hall in June. And again, they could run an empty arena show in May. We do not know yet. As of now, it's still on the schedule. But I don't anticipate that show to happen. Uh, but it would be nice if they could hit the ground running in June and have this great build up to Kobe world. 
but I think we are just looking at this realistic scenario where we, we don't have a dead or alive. We might not have a King of Gate. Who knows how this is going to affect Kobe World? And for the time being, we need to get used to these empty arena Sambo Hall shows, which and I and I tweeted this out that, you know, the first empty arena show was a lot of fun. There was a, a novelty to it that I really enjoyed because you had the English commentary and you had the office and Toriumon and Drangate and R.E.D. on uh, sitting at ringside and it was all new and it was all fun and it was a lighthearted, breezy show. This show that we're about to talk about, the April 4th one, in terms of quality, was on the same you know, trek on the same page as the prior empty arena show. But the novelty aspect had worn off from this show and something about watching this show consuming yet another empty arena wrestling show. And no, I did not watch WrestleMania, but I've watched enough dynamite and other Japanese promotions to have enough empty arena wrestling for the rest of my entire life. But just sitting down and watching the show, it bummed me out a little bit, but again, it wasn't a bad show it's just, I don't know, the optics of this are so bad, the future is so uncertain, it's a shame. But at least for the time being, let's focus on the wrestling, because I think there's some, at least a few things on this show worth mentioning. Yeah, so this was basically the same kind of setup as the uh, March one, where there were three sides of the ring with chairs, the one that was in front of the hard cam was staff members, including some special guests, there was a special guest there, uh, during the show, which delighted me just thoroughly. And then one side was uh, Torimon Gun, and the other side was Dragon Gate Gun. And six matches. It was headlined, of course, by the GHC Tag Team Championship match they've been trying to get through for a while now. And overall, like, like taking out the idea of the reality we're in, they have enough things that they have enough kind of things in the fire that are moving in interesting directions that i'm kind of excited to see like okay we don't know who the next uh dreamgate challenger is and i don't think it's kind of appropriate to kind of build that up yet but probably have our next brave gate we do have the next people who issued the challenge for the triangle gate and i'm soon i bet we'll start getting something for the uh, twin gate as well so i mean it, this was a this wasn't just like a superfluous show like there were things that they were building to and they definitely are being mindful of okay where do we need to go to because i think that's overall one of the big problems with these empty arena shows so they kind of feel aimless this is not an aimless show whatsoever no i completely agree uh like you said they built to some stuff and the the in-ring action it, you know it has only you know there's there's a ceiling with these empty arena shows but the effort and the Drangate action as we know it is still present on these shows, and I think it's present in the opener as well. Yeah, so let's just start from the top then. Uh, the opener was a kind of just like a mixed older guys match. I say mixed because Gamma was involved in it. it beforehand, they did their traditional opening, and they did first gong kids. I was surprised who they had as a first gong kid. They had this nice guy named Namamichi-kun from Tokyo, and Casey, who was his favorite wrestler? Who were his favorite wrestlers? I know one of his favorite wrestlers, which is one of all of our favorite wrestlers, and that was a man by the name of Punch Tamanaga. Did he have another one? Did I miss one? Oh, he had two other ones. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, please fill me in. So the first one was Misaharu Misawa. Of which, oh, of course. Which, of, which, I mean, he's from Tokyo, so, I mean, like, Misaharu Misawa, I mean... He wanted to be able to wrestle with Misaharu Misawa. He wanted to be like Misawa. And everyone's like, yes, that's a good choice. Number two was one of the legends of wrestling. One of the 
and I'm not just doing a bit here, one of like the weird glues that ties together Japanese wrestling, and that is the dirty dog himself, the sour wrong guy. <laughs> it, just move on. Yeah, yeah, the sour wrong guy who was in the front front row and was the special dignitary I was talking about because there was a Noah match on the show. So. We are living in an age of social distancing, and I hope, I hope, I hope this doesn't come across too harsh, but we are living in an age of social distancing, and even if we weren't, I don't know if I would want no sour wrong guy in my presence. It just seems unhealthy is, I think, the word I'm looking for. Not safe is the aura that I would describe, and yet... In such a, just a tough time in this world, Dragon Gate said, we need Nosawa on this show. A bold move, but one I respect. Hey, Nosawa has built back up pro wrestling Noah. He's been virtually everywhere in pro wrestling. He has been in Dragon Gate before, so it's only appropriate that the uh, dirty dog himself there. You see, you don't want to hang out with Nosawa. I would. I want to see what we get up to. Like, I imagine it'd be a good time with Nosawa wrong guy. My straight edge alarms go off as soon as I see Nozawa. Whatever he's offering, I want no part of it. I am going to throw up the X's in his face, and we are going to have sort of a tense, albeit friendly from a distance relationship. But Nozawa is not going to be one of my ride-along friends anytime soon. <laughs> so so after that bit, uh, of course, Punch Tomonaga, he was the one who wanted to take the photograph with Naomichi-kun, which, you know, that that's sweet. I mean, he wanted to get a photo with his with his fans. And I hope that this becomes the bit that just happens on all these shows, is that whoever they pick, their favorite wrestlers, Punch Tomonaga. Like, I, think it's, I think it's genuinely awesome that they're doing it, <laughs> because the whole roster seems to get a kick out of it, Punch included, because it's not like one of those Shima and or slash Shingo, like, bullshit politics things. It seems like everyone, including punches in on this joke, it seems really lighthearted, and it seems really fun, and I'm glad they're doing it. it it's charming. It's charming. And this opening match was pretty charming, too. It was the eight-man teams. One of it was a mixed team. The other one was a pure uh, Torimon Generation tag. So one side, you had Masato Yoshino, Don Fuji, Ryo Saito, and Gamma. The other side was Naruki Doi, Dragon Kid, Ginky Horiguchi, and Zushi Kanda. Yoshino got the pen with the Torbalino Crucifix in 12 minutes and 17 seconds on Ginky Horiguchi. And I thought this was just a really fun, like, just goof around opener. I mean, Don Fuji had one goal on the showcase, and that was to beat the shit out of uh, Konamawa Ichikawa anytime he could. And it started here. Yeah, I really enjoy just the structure of this match because it's guys that we never really see in the ring with one another, and if we do, it's never in this combination. It's a rare sight in today's Dragon Gate where both Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi are the youngest guys in the match, and the English commentators were sure to point that out, that at 20 years of experience, Yoshino and Doi were the youngest competitors in this match because you're, you've are you got Don Fuji in the ring, you've got Gama in the ring, Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi, uh, and I already said Kanda, I believe, you know, they all uh, slightly outlast them in terms of experience, so to have Yoshino as the young guy in any match is very fun, and it's 
you know, it's eight pros doing what they do best. It's low stakes. It's every Drangate opener you've ever seen before. But instead of there being young boys in there chopping the chest of Don Fuji, it is, you know, Naruki Doi and Genki Horiguchi. It was a fun, lighthearted opener to start things off. Yeah, and apparently there was a drone that they, I guess was probably filming stuff because they couldn't have someone in there with like a crane cam, which, you know, that's actually a pretty smart idea all things considered, but it just was one of those things that when Larry said, "What? how did Vanguard 1 get to Japan, it did make me crack up when I heard hear that. But then again, I consume way too much AEW, so that's fresh on my mind. The lovely thing about my life is that I don't do an AEW podcast, so when <laughs> Matt Hardy comes on the screen, I can turn it off, and I don't feel guilty about it at all. I mean, when, when, when Matt Hardy shows up, I am kind of just over it. However, whenever the the drone shows up and Chris Jericho cuts a five-minute promo on a drone, I'm amused. That is fair. Uh, one thing that I am over personally is the RED attacking Masato Yoshino. That happened as soon as this match concluded. It was just, I, I don't understand why this needed to happen because I know Yoshino and RED are feuding at this point, and I don't think the feud gained anything from another post-match attack. I mean, I guess that is kind of their deal I, maybe that is what the the story that they're trying to get across is that after every single Yoshino match, they're attacking him. But I got it. Let's do something else or let's not do this for the foreseeable future. It was the one downer on what I thought was otherwise a really fun opener. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And and also, this was like when you compare it to the previous beatdowns, this was a really minor one. So like that was another thing. Like they didn't even kill Speedstar being played when it happened. So, like, it just kind of was, it felt superfluous, to be honest. And But, yeah, no, this was a super fun opener. Uh, match two was uh, the Dragon, two-thirds of the Open, the Triangle Gate champion, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya facing the foreign contingent of Ho-Ho, Loon, and Jimmy. It's worth noting, I did see somewhere that I guess Michael Sue had an ankle injury and he had surgery, I guess. Did you catch that? Yeah, that wasn't really under the radar. I, radar. I don't remember seeing the injury reported. I just remember seeing the aftermath of right. the injury. It looked very gnarly, but it appears that he's doing okay and that he's recovering. So props to Michael Sue. I really enjoyed the little bit of time he spent in Drangate, and I'm hoping to see more of him in the future. Yeah, and I think he was only there really for about a month's worth of shows, sadly, between him getting hurt and the whole entire situation. And I felt like that even in that one month, I felt like he was coming along pretty well. And really, when you want to talk about someone who's coming along well, Jimmy in match two with teaming up with Ho-Ho Loon, I thought Jimmy, although some of the stuff was kind of shaky, I thought Jimmy has really taken some strides. I feel like this was a really kind of fun highlight of him with Strong Machine J and Dragon Daya here. So Jimmy, first of all, has really beefed up. He looks like a totally different human than the person that walked in Drangate last year. I'm sure Larry Dallas has been coaching his workouts in the dojo over the last month. As they're not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to do anything. They just have to work out and watch Fast and Furious on Netflix. And I'm sure Larry has been more than happy to do that with Jimmy. There's a sequence in this match where Jimmy and Strong Machine J it, Strong Machine J is basically led through like a very basic lucha sequence with right. Jimmy, where Jimmy does like a shoulder bump, and then uh, you know Jay does whatever his version of that offense is, and Jimmy comes out ahead in the sequence. And it was one of those that was so great to watch because you know we're now a year into Strong Machine J. He debuted at the April Corkin of last year, so we've seen a year of him now, and we've seen this transition from 
a prodigy really into a robotic rookie that's in somewhat of a sophomore slump just given how quickly he was pushed up on the card we've seen a little bit of a reset in terms of one the way he works his matches since the turn of the calendar and also just the gimmick has become a little less extreme and now he's more of just a guy in a mask which i actually think has done him favors dropping such strong character tendencies yeah seeing him work such a different style against jimmy here and seeing him fully even for that one sequence seeing him fully embrace a more lucha style was really exciting and made me really hopeful about the future that strong machine j has right yeah and the thing about that sequence which jimmy did some crazy stuff including doing springboards off the bottom rope in the sequence like he was really showing off but it kind of struck me i was like jay is someone who'd be perfect as like a great base for all this these strong these smaller wrestlers to do these sequences with and i was like okay yeah, no, this is definitely a good role for him right now is him like doing these things and being in these matches where he gets to wrestle with people of different styles. Of course, Ho-Ho Loon it has, was mostly self-taught before he went to WWE, so he has a little bit of a mixed style. So I felt like that this was a pretty good growing match for at least three-fourths of this whole, t- this whole match. Like, Daya was in there. Daya, again, great performance out of Dragon Daya. Jimmy has approved. He looks like he's... Seriously, he's gone from someone who looked like a teenager to looking like a like a grown man. I feel like like in his size. And then Jay, you, we're starting to see that he's doing less things that other than the robot thing and learning other styles, or we're seeing him exhibit these styles. And I find that pretty fascinating to watch. Jimmy and Dragon Daya have a really great match in them at some point. Now, why those two would have a spotlight singles match, I do not know, but I hope it happens at some point because they displayed enough chemistry in their brief interactions in this match that I am all about it. Yeah, it just was a overall delightful thing that just to watch it, it was just it was a good time to see. And I think that Jimmy... I, I, I'm really excited to see how Jimmy grows because I know he's someone that had a pretty decent long career. Like, he's not, like, a, he was a member of the nerds in DTU, but he's not, like, a teenager. He's someone in his 20s, but it's something like seeing how much he's progressed and seeing him against people that are of similar ages has been really exciting to see. He's 23 now. He's been wrestling since 2014. Uh, I, I think he's ultimately someone he doesn't have the high ceiling like a Flamita does where, you know, Flamita came into the company when he was 18 or 19 and had already been wrestling for a few years at that point. I don't think in Jimmy's best case scenario, we ever get a match as good as say Flamita versus Susumu, the 2014 one that I think ever since Flamita has kind of owed his career to. I don't know if Jimmy has those capabilities in him, but like I've said, since he debuted, he is a strong middle of the wrong roster hand that should be used to elevate guys. And every once in a while, he should get his big moment because he's someone that every time he's on the screen, I really enjoy watching him. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that, with how young this roster is and how many kids they are getting out of the dojo the fact that i'm someone that kind of believes that iron sharpens iron having all these guys continually work with each other especially under the guidance of everyone in kobe i think it's nothing but a uh, good exercise for everyone involved are you ready to move on to match three yeah match three was my match of the night i think it might have been yours as well this was a torimon versus dragon gate match where kz and kota Minenora, rare tag team you know i don't th- they might have teamed before very occasionally, but it was kind of cool to see. Going up against the uh, principal, Ultimo Dragon, and 
They made a lot of notes about this. The All Japan World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Susumu Yokosuka. Susumu got the win on Minenora in 14 minutes and 49 seconds. I don't think I mentioned in the second match, it was Daya winning with the Reptilian Rana on Jimmy. But this match was really cool, and it was a lot more different than this. And I think the differences kind of played more into where Ultimo is in his career and how everyone else was able to kind of wrestle with him to have like the best kind of Ultimo match you can have in these kind of circumstances. So there's a lot of factors here. First of all, this is the first time that KZ and Kota Minora have teamed in a two-on-two setting. They've teamed a few times as a trio, but this was their first straight tag match together. It's a combination, quite honestly, that I hope I see more of because I like their raw foundation as a team. I mentioned when we reviewed the first Empty Arena show that I felt like the person's work that most suffered was Ultimo Dragon, that his strikes just looked soft. He looked exposed wrestling in an empty arena setting because part of the Ultimo charm since coming back to Dragon Gate, and granted it has been a rocky road and there have been ups and there have been downs since his return, but when there has been Ultimo at his best, part of it is the way that the crowd reacts to him and how alive the crowd is for those moments. Seeing him in an empty arena was just not doing it for me, but this time, and partially because I think for the most part, he stayed out of the way and just let three of Drangate's best wrestlers do their thing. But even Ultimo played an important factor in this match. The opening portions of the match is KZ. Uh, he's in the ring squaring off against Susumu, and KZ's demanding that Ultimo start the match with him, that he he has wrestled Susumu, he's got it. He wants Ultimo, and seeing KZ want to step up to the plate like that, and then if this was 15 years ago, you know, Ultimo says, fuck that, I'll get in the ring when I want to, but now Ultimo gives KZ that moment. Those two start the match. They have a nice little opening sequence. Something about that was very cool to see. Yeah, and I think it also is something that, in this kind of circumstances, KZ is someone that, you wouldn't really know it, but he was someone who spent a long time in Mexico. So, like, he does know how to wrestle a style that's probably more forgiving for Ultimo, and having that moment where this happened, I thought, like, was pretty special. And then you had, the, when it was basically two-on-one with uh, Ultimo and Susumu going against Kota Minenora, I thought that was a really strong sequence as well. I feel like it was a great kind of control sequence there. And it just was something that like watching these people all play off each other, and especially considering now Coda will is kind of the ranking uh, young guy now that uh, Yuki Oshioka and Shun are in Mexico and Hyo's doing his own thing. He kind of is like the ranking rookie. I would, I would consider at least the people who are considered rookies. Like I don't consider Jay and Daya kind of in the same situation but i think like menorah is that kind of person right now getting him to have the opportunity to have like these long sequences with susumu and the idea of him wrestling some of ultimo dragon i think only helps a guy who's still like he's not even at year three of his career i feel like we talk about how young some of these guys are all the time kota menorah debuted in late 2018 so. He debuted in late 2018, I think in August of that year, and I believe he had gear in some sort of a character by September or October. I mean, he more so than anybody, if we're not counting the hype debuts of a Shingo Takagi or a Dragon Daya, just in terms of a young boy progression, there are very few people that have ever progressed as quickly as he has. And it makes sense when you watch this match. First of all, it's also the first time that Susumu and Ultimo Dragon had teamed together. And I know that because 
I, it should be. I mean, the English commentary was very good on this show. Jay and Larry Dallas have developed an excellent chemistry. The other note I have for what they brought to the table on this show was there's a point at the beginning of this match where Jay notes that it's the very first time that Ultimo and Susumu have teamed. It's a very basic fact. It's one of those things that, you know, I, any announcer would know. And, and Larry goes, you know, how the hell do you know that? You know, you're some sort of robot. And Jay says, well, I know that because Susumu tweeted that this morning. Which <laughs> Yeah was such a delightful back and forth in such a weird way. They have developed a gorilla monsoon, Bobby Heenan sort of chemistry that completely plays to the characteristics and the characters involved in Dragon Gate. And it's been really fun to watch those two develop as a team. As for the Susumu Ultimo Dragon team, you mentioned that they spent a lot of time beating down Minora in this match. And it was it was awesome to see. There is a King of Gate down the line where Susumu and Minora are going to have a match of the year caliber match. I firmly believe those two have so much untapped potential wrestling one another because it was on display here in an undercard empty arena tag match to a point that in, you know, like you mentioned, Susumu's the All Japan Junior Champion right now. Minora had a few near falls in this match that I was completely buying. I thought they were going to give him a big win on the show, which politically wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't even make any sense in the context of Drangate. But Minora was so damn good that every time he had Susumu pinned, I really thought that was going to be the end of the match. If there's one match you watch on this show, it should be this one. Yeah, and I feel like there was kind of a very striking image talking about Susumu as All Japan Junior Champion. Of course, I guess that match with Hikaru Sato is still on the books. They don't know when, but there was a very big moment of when KZ, after the match, was staring holes into Susumu's back as he was leaving with the title, and it very much was like, could this be like the, the title match they're giving Susumu for a Dragon Gate wrestler is him versus KZ? And I was like, oh, if that's the case, I mean, if we're going to get 20 minutes of those two guys going, that's incredible. And yeah, Kota Minonora is still probably another year, I would think, before really like entering that conversation of like King of Gate and like that. And there's no one else in the company, especially since Akira Tozawa left, but there's no one else in the company that has blow away matches with rookies in the King of Gate tournament than Susumu. So I'm totally down for that. I think that that's I think that this was a very intriguing match. It was just under fifteen minutes. Like no, no matches on the show went went much farther than seventeen minutes. So this show is if you still haven't watched it on the network, it's worth checking out. It does not waste your time. And this match was my match of the night by far. I agree. I I don't know about you. I liked this next match quite a bit as well. It was a fun match. It was a weird match. It was R.E.D., one of the first of three R.E.D. matches on the show versus Dragon Gate. It was the Dragon Gate team of Yamato and everyone's favorite wrestler, Punch Tomonaga, versus Ada and B.B. Hulk. Kind of what I would consider right now the... Uh, R.E.D. top team, so naturally Ada and B.B. Hulk won. They had a really cool axe kick into the Hildago on Punch Tomonaga to do it. So. Yes, I had that in my notes. The finish looked awesome. It basically, Ada's version of the cop killer, but before he does that, Hulk hits an axe kick. It looked outstanding. Thank you for mentioning that, Mike. Yeah, no, I mean, that absolutely was my favorite moment of the match. Also, another moment of the match, Don Fuji attacked Punch Tomonaga just for good measure. Don Fuji, I, maybe it's that he hasn't been able to hit the bars, been able to hit Golden Guy lately, but he's definitely someone who seems pretty cranky lately. Yeah, well, uh, you know, someone like me, I've been ahead of the curve on social distancing for years. I don't like going out to bars, and I have to go to bars for uh, what used to be my job. 
Uh, and I just I don't enjoy the bar atmosphere. I don't enjoy the loudness. I don't enjoy the craziness of it. But Don Fuji is a man that after a hard day's work, after he does his nine to five in the dojo of making sure that dojo kids leave with a raw chest thanks to his sumo slaps, he likes to go to a bar and he likes to kick back. And his life is being drastically altered by these situations right now, and it's a damn shame. So unfortunately for Punch Tamanaga, he has to take an extra beating on top of taking a cop killer, which seems still like the worst move in wrestling to take. I can't believe people take that move, but more power to them because it pops me every single time. I'm also very glad this match happened here because I just I just had a bad feeling watching this that down the line and I could be totally wrong. This is purely my speculation, but it just felt like watching this that at some point Dragon Gate was going to try to trot out some sort of like BB Hulk and Cosmo Sakamoto versus Yamato and Tamanaga twin gate match. My, I just like my skin was almost crawling watching this. I'm like, Oh God, I hope they're not planning on doing that at dead or alive. Now we don't have to worry about that. Thank you. COVID-19 for erasing that fear from my life. Just because every once in a while, Dragon Gate will throw Tamanaga in a bad twin gate match. It happened at final gate 2015 where he and Gamma wrestled, uh, Yamato and Naruki Doi. That match was good. That match was not good, Mike. That match was a disaster. I did not enjoy that for a second. And that was still 2015. I'm still hanging on to punch Tamanaga at this point. Because remember, this is a man that pinned Shima in a singles match. And I'm going, guys, I let's give Punch a chance, all right? I think he's got something here. He technically ended Flamita's Bravegate reign, although he did not win the title. He just uh, sent Flamita back to Mexico. I still had a little bit of Punch Tamanaga stock in December of 2015. I sold it quickly after but now he's found his place as like an inoffensive lower rung guy but I don't need him challenging for titles any soon I need him in this environment where he is clearly positioned lower than a BB Hulk or an Ata and and it's one of those things that I think that for an ideal form of this thing you need to have people who are going to drop falls and if it's going to be punch Tomonaga then that's better off for the younger guys you know <laughs> like it's better off for like your men and oars that Minoris could drop the falls that matter versus your Susumi Yokosuka's, and you could have Punch Tomonaka being the filler that everyone else beats up on. So, yeah, no, I totally get your point there. I still really like that that uh, King, uh, that uh, Final Gate match. Doyama still, I think, is one of those teams. The further we get away from it, the more I miss that tag team, and I felt like that. I think that was probably Punch Tomonaka's best match of his career. Ooh, man, we have to do the Punch Tamanaga deep dive at some point, because if we're just counting matches from the Punch timeline, so not any <laughs> of his prior gimmicks, I the, the thing is, the Shima match, which is Dangerous Gate 2014, right. it's full of interference. It's a no-DQ match, but it's even for Drangate standards, it's full of interference and of absurd weapon spots, and it's just kind of an absurd car crash, almost Attitude Era-level spectacle but I do really like that match. Yeah, no, I mean, those kind of matches, like Punch has a weird quality that these stock shows, like your average monthly shows, you're not going to necessarily get the great Punch performance. But when you put Punch Fonaga on the big stage, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> he's he's like Tanahashi, man. He's undeniable <laughs> in the big moment. In the big moment, but this was not the big moment, and he got beaten up like he should. The semi-main event was a really interesting match, and where I, I said earlier that they kept 
a lot of things in the fire going. Definitely was the case in this match. Another Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. match. This was the former Triangle Gate team, I think, of Lee, uh, Santa Maria, and Okuda. No, no. Did they have the Triangle Gate thing? Like, this whole, like, year has felt like three years, so I forget. Well, there was a... Was KZ the third guy? There was a Lee, Maria... I thought Okuda was a part of it, because then he gave way to... uh, to no, no, no. It was... It had to have been a Sheeta Lee... Maria, right? Because wasn't it a maximum maximum team that we really because there was a Triangle Gate team that we really liked at one point that I don't think they ever held the belts, but they just did a bunch of good trios matches. That might have been the case. That might have been the case. But uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, no, that was just an aside that my I'm my grasp on sanity is lessening by each day. So that's I'm glad you're here to make sure that I am not going completely mad here. But it was a trios match. It was Jason Lee, Santa Maria, and Okuda for Dragon Gate versus Big R Shimizu, Kaido Ishida, and Hio on R.E.D. This was a no contest because Ishida and Okuda like kicking each other's ass too much. Like this was the they they kept on trying to get at each other and they finally attached attacked Yagi, which had for the bell. This this Okuda Ishida match, whenever it happens, is going to be a barn burner. It was almost an example of the classic Brian Alvarez disqualified for kicking too much ass comment because I was I was really into this match. And I think like the main event of the first empty arena show, I gave four stars. I thought it was that good. This was on its way to being a legitimately great empty arena match. And then they called for the disqualification. And I was really bummed out by it because there was a level of intensity that was escalating and escalating. And I don't think the level of intensity that was on display here is that different from any normal, like, Triangle Gate closing stretch. It's just worked in an entirely different way because Ashida and Okuda are bringing a different style of wrestling to the table. But in terms of the characteristics of what makes a great Dragon Gate match a great match, I don't think it's that far off. And we were about to enter that zone where had they continued to wrestle and had gone into a finishing stretch where uh, Shimizu was hitting a shot put slam and Okuda's hitting his crazy like top rope kind of flip suplex and Jason Lee has a big spot with high with yo like we were about to approach a certain level of greatness that is very on brand with the Drangate trio style and right before we got to that point things ended in a disqualification and although the post match brawl was outstanding and although I am very entertained by this feud I was very let down by the ultimate result of this match because it was we were so close to having something special. And maybe that comes later. Maybe that comes simply when there's people in the building. But we need at some point we need this Okuda Kaito Ishida match because this is a white hot feud in my opinion right now. Yeah, and it's to a point now that this is a they don't do no disqualification disqualification matches that often in Dragon Gate. But you could see a justification, usually what they call no just a no disqualification match where the old no ropes matches. But this needs to have this is a few that's like trending to a certain level and has a certain level of stakes that I'm kinda that I could see that, especially in front of a crowd. And the pull part at the end of the match, after it broke down, like they kept on fighting, they kept on fighting. 
Ishida grabbed a barrier, threw it onto Akuda, and then was pulled back. And then they, and then I guess some of the the young boys ran and put another piece of the barrier in front of Akuda to try to stop him from going after Ishida. And I just thought that that was a little bit ridiculous, but it kind of fit with how unca- uncaged this feud has been. And I thought that that was pretty remarkable. Every time Dragon Gate tries to go full bore into a really heated feud like this, they always do something more interesting than just your Jeff Jarrett level walk and brawl. And that barrier spot in this match, I thought was very, very just innovative is not the right word because I don't think it's pushing wrestling forward in any way, but it was unique in the sense that I had never seen anybody do that before. And I, you know, just to put it frankly, I thought it was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is no cinematic wrestling, but w- w- when you have people throwing pieces of the arena at each other, it's kind of cool. It's 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 its own thing. It's its own high stakes. And really, everyone else in this match, like Hyo, sadly, because of how things have gone, has not been featured a lot. I thought Hyo has been solid on both the uh, both the uh, empty arena shows. I thought that Jason Lee and Yosuke Samurai, like you talk about like a Twin Gate team, I could see this one end up being a Twin Gate challenging team, especially for a match that for a like Hulk and uh, and Kazuma Sakamoto that's just like a throwaway defense, I guess. Like I could definitely see that happen for this, but like yeah, this was a match that went 14 minutes and 26 seconds. Definitely looked like it was going to hit that final stretch, like the vaunted like final sprint stretch that was going to like put it in the notebook and then taken away from us. Which I've noticed we've been having a lot more matches taken away from us since someone returned to the company. So yeah, was the Triangle Gate team you were thinking of was it? A tribe vanguard combo of Kagatora, UT, and Maria. That's Is that it. who we were that, thinking of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that All was right. it. Yeah. All right. Save your tweets. We figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Don't tweet at me. Never tweet at me, please. Uh, you can tweet at me. I love the hashtag engagements. <laughs> I this there's between you and me. I I very much up on my mountain want to be left alone. You you, you you're too friendly for my days. I have uh, to. Do I myself. I went. I became a bad guy this week. I called out Ethan Page. I mean. You mean I, if as played the, by Julian. The audacity to bitch about professional wrestling and how and how it should be something greater. Okay, there has never been a good wrestling or a, a story that is a good wrestling story that would translate into actually good drama. Professional wrestling does not need to be a variety show. It needs to be good wrestling. And Ethan Page, who claims that I have not followed his career for long enough, I have been an Ethan Page fan since 2014. I wanted this guy to get signed by Ring of Honor. I wanted Gabe to use him before Gabe was using him. I wanted Gabe to use him after Gabe stopped using him. But at some point, when you bitch and complain on Twitter about how good you are and how how wrong wrestling is, and yet you burn bridges in every company you go into, and two generations of indie guys have now passed you by, and you are working for Impact when everybody knows you have the talent but not the motivation to be on a larger platform, it is completely absurd. I do not respect the way he goes about his business, unlike the guys in our main event, in particular Masaki Mochizuki, who I have the utmost respect for. I mean, I haven't really watched any of the Noah Tag League shows, but I've been told like he, like even though those were empty arena shows, like he was awesome on them as well. So the the best fifty year old in wrestling today has just taken it to another level. This was for the Global Donored Crown Tag Team Championship. It was Marufuji and Mochizuki making their first defense against the Red Big Boys team of Diamante and Takashi Yoshida. Do you think Yoshida, after he has now the twenty nineteen Champions Carnival, do you think he's going to add in? 2020 april 4th uh title ghc tag team championship title match move oh now. of course i mean this is 
this is a historic match for all four men involved. I mean, this is one they'll tell their grandchildren about one day. You know, the time that their GHC heavyweight title match that had been canceled two prior times was now being wrestled in an empty arena in Kobe. I mean, this is why you get into the business. This is this is incredible stuff. It's the first time, to my knowledge, and Mike, you could correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first time that the GHC heavyweight tag titles have been defended in Dragon Gate. But if you remember, in 2007-2008, the GHC junior heavyweight titles were defended in the company. Uh, that was uh, at the very end of December, or of 2007, actually. December uh, 2007, Yoshino and Doi defeated at Sushiyoki and Yoshinobu Kanemura for the GHC titles. They would lose them in their first defense offense to BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi and then Takagi uh, and Hulk would lose them and their first defense in an excellent excellent match that if you have not seen you need to go out of your way to see the Kenta and Taiji Ishimori versus BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi match really that is kind of the history of Noah and pro wrestling Drangate or uh, of Noah and pro wrestling Drangate of Drangate and pro wrestling Noah interacting with one another there was a typhoon uh, match in 2007 where Shima and Marafuji had a big standoff in a six-man tag and Noah that match is on YouTube that match is worth checking out as well but we were kind of entering as weird as it sounds some sort of historic territory here because the Noah titles were on the line personally I did not love this match I don't really think Marafuji well I shouldn't say that Marafuji worked hard and I liked his interactions with more so Mochizuki as a partner than I liked his interactions against Diamante and Takashi Yoshida, if that makes sense. No, I'm totally on the same page with you. My solitary note and my notebook for this match was this was fine. So Yeah, I, Mike, I'm literally <laughs> on the exact same page as you. It was this is fine. It was really cool to see Marafuji and Dragon Gate. It it's something that as we're kind of seeing Japanese wrestling consolidate, and I think we will see it further consolidate after we come out of this, I think that this is an interesting relationship for them to kind of play up. Of course, everyone's best friend, Asawa Rongai, has relationships with everyone. Mochizuki was, like, the Nisawa, uh, like, the special, like, Tokyo Gorentai shows. He was their champion for, like, three years. Like, there's, like, established relationships with this, and it definitely, it felt like a match that, even though the weird, the weirdness of the situation, all of this, like, having a GC tag team championship match in, Dragon Gate is still kind of remarkable. And yeah, I think Marafuji and Mochizuki are an interesting enough of a tag team. Like, I try to catch as much Masaki Mochizuki as I can, and it's enough of a tag team that if it was going to be like Masaki Mochizuki and just like, I don't know, what's Maybach Tanaguchi's first name? Shohei Tanaguchi. If that was the championship team, I might not try to watch it. But him and Marafuji, I think, was a really funny, fun tag team. And this was. I mean, Yoshida is someone that is very hit or miss, and he was fine here, and Diamante was decent here as well. It's really hard to believe that Marafuji has never wrestled in Drangit. I was just looking at his cage match, and I could have sworn at some point he wrestled Starkey Chikawa, but that never happened. There's no uh, well, other than that. Well, did he? Well, Final Gate. He took his mask. Final Gate, he took his mask. Did he wrestle? When did, wait, hold on. When Final did this Gate happen? 2019, oh, he took okay. Stalker's yeah. mask. And I, you know what? That's what it was. Because I, I, that makes all the sense in the world. Because I really felt like I was missing something there. But <laughs> that's what it was. It was the Final Gate. I didn't see that on the cage match. Because it's the new Dragon Gate logo. And I'm still not used to it. But, you know, this was his first, I guess we'll call it a real match in Dragon Gate. And it's just hard to believe that 
there hasn't been more crossover between the two because if there's one, you know, big time Japanese promotion guy that would fit into this company, it would be Marafuji. And really it's the Typhoon match in 2007 and then the Ring of Honor show, the live in Osaka show from 2007 where it's Shima, Marafuji, and Brian Danielson and they wrestle uh, our man, Davey Richards, Rocky Romero, and Masaki Mochizuki. There's a six man there, but there is really hardly any interactions between Marafuji and Drangate up until now. So I hope this is a fruitful relationship. I hope it continues in the future. Yeah, it just was an ex- it just is an interesting thing. It's an interesting time. And hey, I hope that they completely clean up on Hideki Sin, Sakin, and everyone else of those dorks in that tournament. And we get to have more Marafuji defending the GAC title belt in Dragon Gate. It was a it, it was a remarkable enough occurrence that I'm able to overlook a fine match and a and a challenger team that did absolutely nothing for me. Absolutely. And yeah, I th- Unless you have any more thoughts about this, that's kind of all really there is to say about this uh, empty arena show. Again, it's going to be up on the network until the 12th. It has English commentary with Larry and Jay, and it's worth checking out. So I think that that's kind of that it for that portion. But now we kind of have a little bit of a grab bag here because the Dragon Gate Network and their just kind of just getting as many, as much focus on them as possible, partially and partially because everyone's at home. They've put up every single... Kobe World show they had at Kobe World Cannon Hall. Of course, it was not always called Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival. It used to be called Variants of Anniversarios. So, but all of them are up on the network, and we were asked what are the matches we'd recommend people to seek out. So, Case, I know you have a list ready. So, let's get yeah. into this. So, I, I've got a list from every world show. So, I, I, you know, we're looking at 20 shows at this point. Let me, I'll run through the Toriumon shows first. So 99 to 2004, we'll stop, kind of discuss those, and then we'll figure out someone to do the Dragon Gate category because there's, you know, just a lot more shows there. Um, these are, uh, the ones on the network, unfortunately, are the commercial rebroadcast of these shows. So they're not in full, both in terms of the card, there are going to be matches that are cut, and there are also going to be matches that are clipped. I have not gone through them enough to know what is on there and what isn't. So if you know where to look on the internet, perhaps in ditches somewhere, you could maybe find full versions of these matches. But I just have not had the time to go in and see what is exactly there and what isn't. But I can start with 1999, which is actually, weirdly enough, a completely inessential show. If you want to watch 99 just to have a viewpoint for what the first world looked like, but I do not consider there to be any great matches on that show. 2000 is roughly the same, but there is a Sua versus Dragon Kid match on that show. It is not as good as the August 24th, 2000 match they had, but anytime those two had a singles match, I consider it to be essential viewing. 2001, there is a Masaki Mochizuki versus Magnum Tokyo singles match. It is very rare that I will ever recommend people watch a Magnum Tokyo singles match, but if there is one you're going to watch, this is probably the one. 2002, things pick up a little bit. An all-time legendary Toriumon match. If you have not seen it and you are listening to this podcast, you need to go out of your way to see this match. It is a nine-man triple threat match for the UWA trios titles. It is Shima, Don Fuji, and Taru versus Dragon Kid, Masaki Mochizuki, and Ryo Saito versus Darkness Dragon, Genki Horiguchi, and Magnum Tokyo. This is peak Toriumon action I highly recommend it if you have not seen it. 
2003, there's two matches here that I really like. There's a Yoshino versus Kness match, which is an all-time great. It is, to this day, one of the best Masato Yoshino singles matches. It is a peak Kness performance. And then the UWA Trios title match, once again, the Horiguchi, Saito, and Susumu versus Dragon Kid, Kenichiro Rai, and Masaki Mochizuki match. And then the final Toriumon show, 2004 Anniversario, I would recommend hit the UDG uh, title match tournament. There's three matches you're going to want to watch there. Shima versus Yoshino, Dragon Kid versus Shuji Kondo, which you've probably seen the gifts from that match in the past. You're definitely going to want to watch that. And then it's a match that has mixed reviews, but I really like the finals of this tournament, which I will spoil now. If you don't want to know the spoiler, skip ahead 15 seconds. But the Shima versus Shuji Kondo match, which I I quite enjoy as well. So those are my Toriumon recommendations. Yeah, I just want to hit on some of the ones that you mentioned. Definitely go out your way for Kness versus Yoshino. That is a very special match. It is something that Kness, especially at that time versus to who he is now, are sadly two completely different people. And especially there, like this was peak Kness after the Dragon Kid hit feud. This was his other big feud. Like This is how he always would try to be the mind games wrestler. He always was the guy that instead of the Cristo, he had a way to convert it into the Judah. Instead of the Sol Naciente, he had a way to convert it into the Sol Nochesel. So it's worth watching. That one, the uh, Dragon Kid and Kondo match is insane from 2004. Like, that's just a mad one. And really, it's one of those things that on these shows, usually it was the UWA Trios match that I feel like if you're going to pick and choose, that one usually had the biggest hit rate. And... The Misaki Mochizuki versus Magnum Tokyo. For some reason, Magnum Tokyo had great chemistry with Misaki Mochizuki. It's weird. It's one of those things that Magnum Tokyo was a very hit or miss wrestler, but it's worth checking out that one. So those are my thoughts really on that. I'm trying to think of other big matches from the shows that's really worth checking out. Uh, the first one in 99, that show is not great, to be honest. To, to put it... It's likely. just a very weird show. There was just a like a, there was a weird feeling in the building that is hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Also, and I don't know if this is being picked up on my mic, it is storming like crazy outside my house right now, and there is a lot of heavy wind. And I am next to a window. It is legitimately scary. I do apologize if that gets picked up. I haven't heard a single thing, man. That's okay. Hope, That's good. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope the listeners know that I'm brought. I'm pushing through. I'm broadcasting in fear <laughs> because it is scary outside. Hey. But I have to give you Kobe World recommendations. All right, let's get into it. Yes. Um. Real simple. 2005. Watch the whole show. Great. This show. is maybe the best show in Dragon Gate history. We talked about, and this is an episode that if you have not listened, we go pretty deep into the history of Kobe world on that show, the Kobe world, 2019 review show. Uh, we talk about the best worlds of all time and 2005 is just a, a beautiful show. This is the one show that I took a look at, uh, on the network before we started recording. Um, so I know that the, the match that you're going to want to watch there is the open, the triangle match. It is Shima, Don Fuji and Naruki Doi versus Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. It is a blood generation versus do fixer matches. The precursor to the ring of honor, super card of honor match with the only difference being Don Fuji is in there instead of Masada Yoshino. And this match to me is probably the greatest match in Dragon Gate history with the exception of Shingo versus Mochizuki. The issue is that the version on the website is 
clipped. It is still a great match. You will understand that there is greatness in front of you, but you might not get the full feeling. So I would recommend maybe slipping into my DMs, maybe looking elsewhere on the internet to see the full version of the match. But it's a very interesting match given that Don Fuji is really looked at as a top-level guy in this match. It's not comedy Fuji. We're not there yet. Naruki Doi is actually looked at as the weakest of the three guys on his team. And then it's 2005 Ryo Saito, which is one of the best individual years for anybody in Dragon Gate history. There's a great Kensuke family match on this show. It's Katsuhiko Nakajima and Kensuke Sasaki versus Jinichiro Tenru in Magnum Tokyo. There's all sorts of fun stuff on this card. I think the file on Dragon Gate Network is like 90 minutes. Watch the whole thing. Yeah, no, this is a show that has a... Weirdly enough, if you ever want to see Yuji Hino in a Dragon Gate ring, it's on the show. I don't know if it's in the 90-minute cut. I remember it being in the in the cut that I've seen, though. And it's just like Tenru and Dragon Gate was something that was a big thing basically through 2006 before Magnum retired. So that, that's always kind of a remarkable thing. But yeah, no, this Blood Generation versus Fixer match, I know that people are probably tired of people saying, oh, they've done this match, but much better. This is the best version because Don Fuji in 2005, and actually Ryo Saito in 2005 were right before their, their Dreamgate runs. Yes, for new, for new listeners, you, you heard us talk about Don Fuji beating up people and just drinking and carousing. He was a Dreamgate champion. Like, he was a pretty important person in the, and it was a pertinent moment in his career so definitely worth checking that out and you know uh the main event is Masaki Mochizuki defending the Dreamgate Championship against Hakamichi Noku not one of the best Mochizuki main events but still is one worth checking out I think it is like four minutes long on the Dragon Gate Network version of it. That is plenty. You'll kind of get the hits there, right? And you'll be good to go. 2006. It's a weird show. The company's in a weird state at this point. There's two matches I'll recommend here. There is an eight-man tag. It is Jack Evans, or I guess it's a ten-man tag. Actually, it's Jack Evans, Roderick Strong, Matt Seidel, Don Fuji, and Yosushi Kanda versus Gama, Masada Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Naoki Tanizaki, and Dr. Muscle. That is a super fun match, as well as, once again, Shinichiro Tenru and Magnum Tokyo. They wrestle Masaki Mochizuki and Minoru Suzuki. This match is awesome. It's an insane show. Like I, So for people who are wondering who Dr. Muscle is, probably was Daniel Mishima at that time. I think. I'm not... I haven't seen the match in a long time. I don't remember who it was, and Cage Match doesn't tell me when I try to look. I think it's Daniel Mishima. Uh, okay. You do also have a a big thing for Kobe Worlds, and they've kind of gone away from it, is they have big outsider. So Minoru Suzuki, huge outsider. Uh, Yutaka Yoshi versus Shingo Takagi. I hate that match. That Not match a good is match. bad. It's like one of the few bad big-time Shingo matches. I hate that. It's a blemish on his record, and I hate well, it. You know which match was right before it? That's even worse. Which one was that? Dos Caris versus BB Hulk. Okay, so there's a moment. So I, I actually have, if you go to openthereviewgate.blogspot.com, the writing is not good because I wrote this six years ago at this point. I was 15 when I went through all of these Kobe Worlds one summer, but I have reviews for 2004 through 2014, all of the Kobe Worlds in that site. Um the Dos Cars BB Hulk match. There's a moment where Dos Cars goes for a suicide dive and he full on headbutts BB Hulk in the mouth. It it looks brutal, but you're right, that match is also very bad. A really fun match on that show is the uh final final MTK match of uh Kines, Kenichiro Rai, and Sumi Koska versus the Pause Hearts team of BB Hulk, 
Is this from the Smudge? I thought BB Hulk faced. Uh, was this earlier on that show that they had? It's. Uh, or am I thinking well, about so a different one? Sorry, that's not. That's the all. the final M2K match. Did you say final M2K? It's Kanas and Arai versus Tozawa and uh, Mori. Okay, I'm looking at your review, and you have a you have a result for a uh, Kanes Arai Yokosuka versus uh, BB Hulk. Mori and Super Shisa on here. Is that two? Was that two thousand? Is that two thousand five? I think that's two thousand five. No, because two thousand five has that those care. Sorry, I'm blanking right here. That is two thousand five. That is a match worth watching though, if you can find a full cut of. But... Yeah, no, the, the the again the whole show on two thousand five is great. That opener is outstanding. The main event, so the the two thousand six show is really weird because there's Susumu versus Dragon Kid, which is the semi main event. The main event is a no ropes match between Shima and Magnitude Kishiwada. It's Shima at his worst in the sense that his ego gets totally in the way and he says, well, we have to do a no-rope match and we have to do it as the main event because it's a no-rope match. So Susumu never really gets his moment there. As a match, though, the Shima versus Kishiwada match is really entertaining. I don't know how much of that is on the network cut, but it's a fun, just wild spectacle kind of match. Yeah, yeah, no. It was, like as I said earlier, no-ropes was kind of their version of like their big no DQ match, and this was, I think, the first one, or it might have been one of the first few ones. It was like the first one in a big stage, at least, that I remember. It's definitely the first big one they did. I don't remember what the first one they did was, but this is on a big stage. It feels way different than the other ones they ended up doing, at least. Yeah, other fun matches on the show. Uh, yeah, we pretty much covered this one. This, this one is a real hit or miss, Kobe World. 2007, however, has a trial gate match we have to talk about. Yes, so the... New Hazard versus Muscle Outlaw, Shingo, BB Hulk, Cyber Kong versus Yoshino, Doi, Magnitude, Kishiwada. Essential viewing. One of the all-time great Drangate matches. And unfortunately, it's just been lost to time. It's a match that people don't reference enough. It is an all-time great Triangle Gate match. Incredible match, I mean. This is whenever like, I ever sound like I'm very doubtful about having uh, Yoshida in certain scenarios. This is him in this perfect scenario. This New Hazard Triangle Gate team was a whole lot of fun. And this Muscle Outlaws team, I mean, sadly, Magtu Kishiwada got old and he doesn't come around much anymore. But that, that was a fun team as well. Like, this was just a 20-minute match. I think it is, the finish is weird in this match. Like, they had the wrong finish, but it's worth watching this match. Like, this is the best match on the show. Really fun matches underneath that as well. There is a Genki Horiguchi versus Yoshushi Kanda match that is kind of, not Pete Genki because Pete Genki is El Numero Uno 2003, but right. it's one of those matches where it's like, oh, this is why I love Genki Horiguchi so much. Like, this is him and his element in this weird sort of frantic, like almost nervous energy match he has with Kanda here. It's really good. And then there is a Masaki Mochizuki versus Koji Kanemoto match that is everything you'd expect from those two it is really fun yeah koji kanemoto and dragon gate if they if he appears in a dragon gate show and you're looking on the network watch it it is interesting at the very least the opening to the show which i know is absolutely not on it just gonna run through these people for you case ape kamada kanichiro rai koji shishido the first super shenlong or sorry the second super shenlong no that's the first one sorry Yuki Ono versus kanes lupin matsutani mckz shisa boy and super shisa Okay, I'm actually going to have to go back and watch that because I don't remember having Lupin footage. I mean, there's not a lot of Lupin footage. There really I isn't. I thought that I didn't think we had any, so I'm going to have to go watch that. Uh, not, I might have some Lupin footage for you, but <laughs> but yeah, no, that's just a wild <laughs> match. 
Yeah, the main event is Shima versus Liger. I don't know how much is on the network. Liger and Drangate was never really my thing. I don't love that match. It kind of, I think, plays into Shima's worst tendencies. And Liger, just, I I don't like his Drangate stuff as much. Yeah, that that's fair to say. Uh, 2008, I mean, if you're someone who's really not too familiar with the whole BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi feud, this is a very important match to watch as the main event there. And then also there's a four-way six-man for the Triangle Gate. And those are kind of the two big matches on the show to me. Hulk versus Shingo is essential. There's an, I doubt it makes the cut in full, but there's a Genki Horiguchi versus, versus <laughs> MC KZ. It is KZ's first great match. Also probably his only great match for the next four years or so. Uh, it's just like the Kanda match the year before, but now Horiguchi is the heel. Oh my God, I love this match. Horiguchi is so underappreciated historically for how good he has been for such a long period of time. I love that match. But really, 2008, that's all you need from those. 2009, I've only got one match recommendation. It is Pac, BB Hulk, and Masato Yoshino versus Dragon Kid, Akira Tozawa, and Takuawasa. My main man, Takuawasa. Like, yeah, this... there's. Yeah, go ahead. So, this was an interesting thing. Like, as you've listened on the Rewinder Watch, this is actually concurrent with the uh, first show, with the debut show, Open the Memorial Gate. So this, I think, Open the Memorial Gate happened like a month, like three weeks before the show, I want to say. But I'm just yeah, open the Historic Gate, not Memorial Gate. Sorry. Uh, open the Historic Gate, yeah. So this match was really cool. P- pack, this is very young Pack, and he's incredible here. Akira Tozawa, this is the biggest position he's on on any Kobe World show until he comes back. And then Taku Uwasa, who is one of those guys who we talk about matches lost of time. I always have to shout out Taku Uwasa when I see him because he was such a different kind of style. And both uh, Naruki Doi and Shigo Takaki stole his finishing move now. There is a bump that Pac takes in this match that I, I have gift on the old review site, but he takes like... I don't even know how to describe it because I don't really know who else does it, but like kind of like that backpack drop where, you know, you're back to back with a guy and then you send the guy face forward onto the mat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people know what I'm talking about, but Pac takes that move to the ring apron and he lands on his face and it is completely insane. Uh, it is one of those just beautiful, like, Oh, that's all right. Pac is incredible kind of moments. 2010, Kena Suka versus Mochifuji. Uh, anytime yeah. those two teams are in the ring, that is must watch. And then BB Hulk versus Shingo Takagi, which is, uh, and rightfully so, considered one of the best Dragon Gate matches ever. Yeah, that uh, Hulk versus Takagi match, that is a, a Lucha de Puesta. It was something really special. This was during the uh, weird Dragon Gate versus Osaka Pro feud. So there was a Triangle Gate match between uh, Shima, Gamma, and Kiki Horiguchi versus Black Buffalo, Tiger's Mask, and The Bodyguard. And this is before Bodyguard got half decent, to be honest. Uh, I remember really like liking Black Buffalo in that match. I think he stood out to me as like, oh, that dude could have hung. Like, he, he had some good stuff. Black Buffalo was a lot of fun. I like watching Black Buffalo, like, old Osaka Pro stuff. Like, I don't know what he's up to now, but he, out of the group of people, like, I always liked him more than Moriyama. And, I mean, I like Harada just fine, but Black Buffalo was always a cool person. Now, I'm looking at the card for 2010. Uh, I want you... Think of someone who is came up on the UK scene, now is wrestling in America, but they well, make an was that, a, was that a show that Mark Haskins was on? Because Haskins yes. had a short run that it's almost all lost at this point. Like, not a lot of it is right. out there, but Haskins is 
does I one or two Dragon Gate tours, and I be- he's on that show. Yes, he is. He is teaming with Naoki Tanizaki and Katoka versus the Deep Drunkers team of KZ, Kenichiro Rai, and Zushi Kanda. God, that screams 2010. Luckily, 2011. <laughs> All-time show. Uh, it is uh, the 2005 and the 2011 shows, and one more that we'll talk about. You need to watch the whole shows. And this... The last three matches on this show, you go Akira Tozawa versus Shingo Takagi. You go Shima and Ricochet versus Dragon Kid and Pac, which I have screamed from the mountains. This is a five-star match and one of the best tag team mm-hmm. matches I've ever seen. And then Masaki Mochizuki versus BB Hulk, which the last time I watched it, I almost went five with this as well. It is a sneaky like all-time great Dreamgate match that I think is overshadowed by the Tozawa Shingo match, which had a ton of Western coverage given that it was those two guys, and then the Twin Gate match, which is out of this world good. But Mochizuki versus Hulk as well is on another level. Yeah, this was probably Hulk's best match before his Dreamgate reign, I would say. Like by far. Yeah, it's it's heel BB Hulk, he looks great, his moves are great. It's him and Mochizuki kicking each other for a half hour. It is well worth your time. Yeah, and this is right after Tozawa returned, and this is when Tozawa, when when everyone kind of was like, oh, Tozawa's one of the best 10 wrestlers of the world at the time. So, yeah, 2011, that last three matches might be one of the best three matches that the company's ever had in a stretch. So 2012, not as strong. There's a Shima versus Akira Tozawa main event that I actually, I don't like that match. I like their Dead or Alive 2013 match more. Yeah. The one thing I have that is essential here is the Sumo and Kagatora versus Shingo and Yamato. Yep, that's an incredible team. Uh, we do have to mention, though, that it wasn't just Shima versus Akira Tozawa. It was Shima versus Akira Tozawa as managed by Larry Dallas. You know, how could I forget? Uh, hey, I, I, I just want to make sure because you know he's going to, he listens and he will let us know that we did not mentioned that Larry Dallas is a Kobe world main eventer. Oh man. He's got to start mixing that in on commentary. That is a good point. You're right. Cause he wasn't just there. He was in the main event. He was in the main event. Uh, other cool stuff. Uh, Dragon kid versus ricochet. That was a fun match. It went a little long for my taste. Uh, if you ever want to see a Tushi Anita in dragon gate, this is your chance on that show. I doubt that, that match will. sucks. Do not watch that match. If it's there, I <laughs> hate that. Onita match. It is so long. It's so bad. It's 11 minutes long. <laughs> That's too long. I don't like, I don't like peak Onita. Okay. I don't like him when he was relatively young. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with old man. Onita bleeding all over KZ and Kobe world. That is not the dragon gate that I love. Well, it, it is a, this is a, definitely a show of 2012. I mean, you have Matagiwa's uh, windows in the opening match. It, it, it's a interesting show. 2013 is a, another, is a important show. I wouldn't necessarily say it's one of the best. <coughs> Pardon me. I wouldn't necessarily say that it is one of the top tier ones. This is, of course, Shingo defeats Shima in a decent match to end Shima's almost two-year title run. You have Diefly versus uh, BB Hulk and Akira Tozawa, which probably is the best match on the show. Yeah, I think the Shima versus Shingo match is essential viewing. I like the match a lot. I know like Joe Lanza has been a big detractor of that match. I'm a fan of it. Weirdly enough, Joe Lanza constantly puts over the Ricochet and Doi versus Hulk and Tozawa match. Another, and we will hit a stretch here. I, uh, this on is when the Twin Gate gets special. Yeah, this is uh, really starting in 2011 or 2010 because that's when I start recommending them. I've got Twin Gate matches for every year but one for the rest of the shows we talk about. But if you want to talk about a special only in Dragon Gate style of match, Ricochet and Doi versus Hulk and Tozawa, I also 
adore the Mochizuki versus Yamato match on this show. I, for whatever reason, it, it almost feels out of place on that show, and I can't entirely describe why, but that is a match that really flew under the radar, and I'm a giant fan of it. And then from there, 2014, one match to watch, Akira Tozawa and Shingo Takagi versus T-Hawk and Eita. This is when you watch this match and you think, oh, T-Hawk is going to be a Dreamgate champion. He's going to take over the world. And it never exactly happened. This had like a pretty much a, with the exception of the Triangle Gate match, the last five matches on the show, I remember being a lot of fun to excellent. Like on in, 2014? 2014, yeah. Because Flamita versus Dragon Kid. That one, I remember that match being fun. I don't remember. Flamita versus Dragon Kid. So that's that's one of those where you need to adjust your expectations going in because right. it's not a giant spot fest, but I've talked about it on this show. I actually, I think I talk about it in the world review we did last year where Dragon Kid specifically designed that match to where Flamita kicks out of, I think he kicks out of a Dragon Rana. If not, he kicks out of the Ultra Hurricane Rana and it went like it completely legitimized Flamita in the eyes of the fans, but it's a really like slow methodical match that I really liked, yeah. but it's not like this flashy epic sort of uh, spot fest match. If you want a, if you want a flashy spot fest, watch the uh, Yoshino and Ricochet versus Shima and Matt Seidel match. That was Seidel's first uh, post WWE match. I really liked that one. Yeah, that one was special. And then uh, as you said, the, the twin gate match, probably the best, Either that or the 2018 are the best Twin Gate matches in company history, at least at Kobe World. And BB Hulk, I, it, this is the start of a very awesome fall for BB Hulk and after he beats Yamato. So it's an interesting Kobe World show. It's probably one of the first ones that feels like a modern Kobe World. I'd like to go back and rewatch that Hulk Yamato match because I. I remember liking it at the time and not loving it, and I honestly have no idea how it would hold up. It's like four stars. It's okay, four that's, yeah, I mean, it's Hulk and Yamato, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, 2015, there is a lot of interesting stuff on this show. <laughs> There's a lot of really good stuff on this show. I've got three match recommendations here. Akira Tozawa versus, versus Eita. Yeah. This is, Tozawa is on such a stretch at this point, and we are beginning to see a real period and it kind of starts here and then really manifests itself into the entire next calendar year. This is kind of the start of a year long run where Ata is looked at as the guy or the next the guy. guy, like a, an heir to the throne. I mean, he's really the way Western fans, especially were discussing Ata at this time was like, Oh my God, this is, this is the guy because he was wrestling like Yamato, but was developing charisma, maybe not on the same level as a Shima, but more like a Susumu, but was just so dynamic and was having such great matches that he was becoming undeniably over. And then uh, things went awry from there. But Tozawa versus Eita, the uh, Yama uh, Yamato and Naruki Doi versus Ricochet and Matt Seidel matches out of this world good. Insane and then T-Hawk versus Masato Yoshino. I love that match. It's one that I, I haven't seen it in a few years at this point. I know I've rewatched it once, but oh my god, it's so good. This is when T-Hawk, they thought T-Hawk was going to be the next guy, and they pulled the rug out underneath him. Because I was pretty certain he was going to win this match going into it. There was a lot of talk that T-Hawk was going to win, and I remember because BB Hulk was the champion going into June, and then he had a defense against Yoshino that felt a little weird, and Yoshino ended up winning that match. Right. Um, and 
Alan Forel was the brilliant mind who pieced it together that T-Hawk needed to have a good performance and uh, T-Hawk versus BB Hulk was not a guaranteed great main event, but T-Hawk versus Masada Yoshino was, and that's the match they ended up having. And uh, he was right because that match is is excellent. Mm-hmm. So 2016, this is a uh, probably out of uh, the recent shows, probably my least favorite one. Now that I'm looking back at it, to be honest, uh, it's a weird show because it doesn't. Nothing is bad on this show, but it yeah. doesn't have well. Mm, I, I don't know. Kagatora and Susumu versus Doi and Brother Yashi. Not great. Pe- people forget, like, Brother Yashi, like, fell into, like, a fun, like, inoffensive role as a natural vibes guy. When Yashi first returned, he was actively bad and actively deteriorating matches he was in. It was a real bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just was a weird thing because he came back and he was supposed to be a member of Monster Express. But then he said, oh, I came back, t- but I didn't come back to help you. And that, yeah, because he partnered with Yoshino, which yeah. was a really big deal, and then he turned his back on him, and it it became a debacle for a long period of time. Yeah, other things on the show that's worth checking out. Ada versus Yosuke Santa Maria is a solid match. Like, that one is... Maria's Bravegate reign was a solid reign. And uh, the uh, if you're ever kind of wanting to see a really spotty Triangle Gate match where a lot of things could have gone really wrong... Let me tell you about the three-way six-man tag where Monster Express, the uh, the uh, hidden team that like never made any defenses of Yoshino, Tozawa, and T-Hawk, defeating Hulk, KZ, and Fulmita, and over-generation CK1 and Peter Kasa. That was a match that a lot of people almost really got hurt. It was in... Uh, God, I mean, we used to spend so much time talking about Peter Casa, and it was wasted breath, I'll say now. Um, I always enjoyed the real element of danger to Peter Casa matches. It was and very it's a, real. It's unfortunate that his career ended the way he did off of a faulty ring and, you know, whatever happened, but he seems to be living a happy life. So more power to him. But Peter Casa was so big and so explosive. And there's really, I mean, I guess Uha nation is almost a cop in terms of like muscle and the way he's built. Mm-hmm. But Peter Casa would flip closer to like rich swan and ricochet than uha like peter casa would twist in the air which uha nation has never really done so peter casa is this muscled up like almost scott steiner yeah, looking that's guy the that's the comp scott steiner who would be doing torbolitos and flinging himself at these men who he's so much bigger than and it always really entertained me you're right that is a a super spotty but super entertaining triangle gate match and then the main event for all of Yamato's faults, for as much as I've turned against him in the past, Yamato versus Shingo Takagi in the main event is a perfect conclusion to one of my favorite angles in wrestling history. And for the main event Dreamgate style epic, it is one of the best of those kinds of matches. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt there. Uh, 2017, 2017 it's not, is another not so great show because it had the uh, Triangle Gate tournament d- during this one does have a uh, uh, Kagatora versus Flamita match. Kagatora was a really fun uh, Bravegate champion in 2017. I liked him a whole lot there, but it just kind of was there. CK1 was during, was in their monster reign against Speed Muscle, and that that's, was... That's the essential match. That match that is, is the match. incredible. That is one of those that I actually... Like, I love that match, but I think I undersell it at times. There mm-hmm. are people that consider that to be a top-tier Twingate match of all time. Yeah, yeah. And then... The last gasp of uh, T-Hawk being relevant. 
And I, I don't like that match as much. I remember just being deflated after watching Yamada versus T-Hawk in that main event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a pretty fair thing to say. 2018, this is another super weird show because this is right after the split. This is when uh, things were still trying to solidify. This is the really shaky time before uh, Pac came back. This was the last big show of Shingo Takagi in it. It did have a... It had a bunch of weird stuff on this show. I'm looking at it. Like, that's the thing about, like, a lot of this stuff. Like, this is the one that had the Masato Tanaka Triangle Gate match on it. And then uh, Ada versus Dragon Kid. This is when Ada kind of became really the sleaze lord there. Um, really? Uh, Yoshino versus Takagi was a very good match. Uh, the uh, BB Hulk versus, and Yamato versus Benkei and Big R Shimizu might be one of the best uh, Twin Gate matches of all time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, match the match you need to watch from this show because there's, I mean, I remember talking about it with you at the time and I wasn't even, I, this is when I had stepped away from VoiceGate for a little bit just because I didn't really have time. But I remember coming on the show and talking with you about it and, and talking about how I really wasn't excited to watch this show. It was the first world in a few years that I hadn't watched live. Like I was really down on the company at the time because we're post-split and I was so captivated by what Stronghearts had been doing in Wrestle 1 that that was where my attention was going. And then it was like, ugh, I've got to watch this Kobe World Show. And like, for as much as I like Masato Tanaka, he's just on this show for some reason, even though he was working zero one one later, I think either later that day or later that night or the next day, like there was a weird scheduling thing with him, which is why the triangle gate match goes on so early. Yeah. Mochizuki was in a legends match, which I didn't like, but that the BB whole suck. Yeah, it was, ugh, it's well, it's Yoshiaki Fujiwara. Don't book him because he has bad matches. Now I say that as someone that adores 1987 Fujiwara, but that was 1987. I was not born yet. The twin gate match. We, Loved that BB Hulk Yamato reign so much because there's a real element of danger to BB Hulk at the time because he had put on a lot of weight. He wasn't moving around as well. And he started working like he would do the BB Hulk moves, you know, and love, but with 30 extra pounds and it looked terrifying and it was awesome. That big Ben versus Tri Vanguard match is one of the best twin gate matches ever. Yeah, like, I, I'm looking over the, the show, and I'm just remembering that match, and remembering, like, Yama Hulk was such a fun team, and and a lot of it, sadly, was because Hulk wasn't necessarily in a good place, and sadly, it took him, like, breaking his neck to get back into, like, this top thing of his career, really, you know? I mean, like, his last, like, there was, like, real fear about what he was going to end up being, but he was, this Yama Hulk team was a lot of fun. Big Ben, if you like meat slapping against meat, this was that team that they really were just a bunch of idiot sons out there. They were Nuruki Doi's large adult sons, the tag team at this time. It was yeah, a, it really worked. It really worked. Uh, also, uh, Rio Saito versus Hollywood Soccer Chikawa. That is a weird match, and I don't really want to, if it's on the tape, check it out. I'm not going to give any hints on why I would check it out. You might be able to surmise why. Rio Saito versus Hollywood Soccer Chikawa might be a very weird match, but check it out. And then we go to 2019. This is last year's. Now, I believe 2018 should be in full on the network. I think both of these are. And then 2019 is for sure, because I remember watching it live with English commentary and leaving it thinking this might be the best Dragon Gate show of all time. Yeah, no, this is a truly exceptional show. Everything on the show was like, there was no waste in matches on this show. You had the KZ versus Shun Skywalker match, which was remarkable. 
You have the uh, Strong Machine Army defeating R.E.D., which was a really good match. Susumu Yokosuka versus Flamita, and Flamita's best match in the last six years. It was on the show. Uh, the uh, best match Ultimo's had since he's been back in Dragon Gate. Which they, was subsequently his first match. Subsequently, yeah, you, you have to add that caveat in there. Uh, they are, they, the three-way tag match, I mean, it is something really cool. got really wild there, and then, of course... I think it, I think it placed on the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year countdown. Uh, I know I, that was, that's actually one of those. If you're a newer Dragon Gate fan and you haven't seen that twin gate match, that's a match that can suck you in because it's all action. Right. Yeah. It's 27 minutes. It's two falls and it's, God, that is, that was 27 minutes. You're right. I'm looking at that right yeah. now. Oh my God. And then, uh, really the, uh, the main event, I mean, Ben K versus pack. That's an incredibly important match. The further we get away from it, we wonder like what could have been, or was this match as important as it is, but it's still worth watching. It's weird. I remember watching this show live and I was kind of doing like show math at one point because mm-hmm. KZ versus Skywalker is the fourth match on the show. It's the first featured match because you've got a bunch of multi-match and then you've got a comedy match right before it. But KZ versus Skywalker was so good. And then you start looking at the rest of the card and you're like, well, okay, there's five matches left. The Strong Machines, that was okay. And then, well, Susumu versus Flamita is going to be great. And, well, that Ultimo match could be pretty good. And the Twin Gate match is always good. And then Ben K versus Pac, there's no way that's not great. And there was, like, this weird feeling that I had watching that where once KZ versus Skywalker delivered to the extent that it did, I knew just... I just knew this show was going to be great and every single thing delivered the exact way you'd want it to. It is, if... It is, at worst, I think, a top five must-watch Dragon Gate show of all time. So if you have not seen 2019, I highly recommend it. And go back and listen to our review of that show, because I think we spent almost two hours talking but just about that show. This was the show that, like, we did a lot of writing and work leading up to it, so it's very much sticks in my mind as, like, such a big event as well. Of course, Benkei getting the first fall on pack in almost two years was such a big moment. It's just... A remarkable show. I mean, that of uh, that stretch starting with KZ going to the main event might be the strongest six matches that the company's put on back to back to back to back to back to back. I feel like I I don't know. I just I had so much fun watching this show live because you and I did a lot of work leading up to the show, and it felt very rewarding that Drangate was back in the Western spotlight to some extent. And then that was one of those nights where you had enough people watching live to where it felt like it was, uh, you know, a weird quasi party to some extent, and mm-hmm. it was just. I just remember having a lot of fun that night, and I look back on World 2019 with a lot of positive memories. Yeah, it's just a solid show up and down. And you had Hulk's big comeback match. You had the two-on-one uh, handicap match that I'm not going to reveal the other person that match, but it does involve Ryo Saito and Hollywood Soccer Chikawa. If you're going to watch this match, go watch that singles match I was talking about in 2018 first. It'll make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it's uh, a two-part story right there. <laughs> Involving one of Naruki Doi's best friends. That's not a member of the Dragon Gate roster. And that is... Kobe World, I hope to God you guys don't need any more recommendations because we ended up breaking down about 15 shows right there. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, all the worlds are on the network. Take advantage of it. There's a bunch of cool stuff going on on the network right now. They're adding Toriumon matches that the roster members are choosing their favorite matches from that era and then uploading those. There is English content on the site uh, that 
was not previously there. Uh, both Jay and Larry Dallas went in. They recorded English commentary for Dead or Alive last year, as well as Dangerous Gate. So go watch those if you have not seen them. And enjoy the Dragon Gate Network, because it's certainly not a perfect service. I still have my issues with it, but they are adding more and more to the archive. And the more readily available archive content we can get for Dragon Gate, the better. Yeah, I think that it also has something really great on that I don't see anyone else really doing, where they... I don't know exactly what they're doing, but they are releasing one old show from the Toribon era each month. It's the uh, original Vamanos Amigos, but they're remastering it, or it's like the first time it's been digitized, but it's from what what I guess is a master or submaster, and it's it's very high quality, and it's much better than the stuff that we used to like tape trade for. So that's worth checking out as well. It is a troublesome network. I will not try to like rationalize that. I've said my piece about the Dragon Gate network both on the show and in other channels before. But I don't know really what else we really had to plan to cover here. Uh, we were going to talk briefly about uh, Yuki Yoshioka and Shun. They are still in Mexico. There was like one match that Yuki Yoshioka disappeared in. We originally thought that he was going to end up in America, but obviously that's not the case right now. I know you watched some of this match, so tell, talk to me about the 10-sided rank. Well, I... I don't have a ton to say on this. It is on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter account. We tweeted it out at Open Voice Gate that there is a link to a match that involves both Skywalker and Yoshioka in Mexico. It is like a nine-man match with a ten-sided ring that every time somebody hits the ropes, a different part of the ring breaks. It is so entertaining. It is so delightful. It is a very short match. It's like eight minutes, and there's, yes, like nine men involved in it might be an elimination match. I honestly don't remember. It is just a prime example of the beautiful nature that is the Mexican independent wrestling scene. And it involves Shun Skywalker looking super bored and Yoki Yoshioka looking super lost. <laughs> I mean, and hey, COVID-19 actually shut down Mexico Lucha, which is kind of surprising a little bit, but it was uh, something, you know? It I happened. did not think it would happen. I did not think the Lucha scene would shut down, and it did. So please stay at home so we can have more bad Lucha uh, <laughs> filtered into your airwaves sometime shortly. Yeah, uh, something that I want to get to that probably for the next time we're going to do a regular episode that I want to talk about was there was a Prime Zone that was recorded that had KZ versus Martin Kirby when Martin Kirby was back over before he retired that I really want to watch and talk about, but that will probably hold off until the next time we have a current event show but i think that's probably gonna do it we went longer than i expected but i can't believe we went 90 minutes on the show i cannot believe it 90 minutes and most of it was talking about wow this show ruled the show ruled oh wait uh atsushi anita had a really bad match here so god that sucked (laughs) but uh i think that's gonna do it on this edition our current schedule just so you all know this is going to be going up uh we're recording this on the 8th this will go up either tonight or early thursday morning the idea is either bi-weekly, I think was what we're kind of fixing on, until there's more new shows. We're going to be doing a rewind rewatch of DGUSA until then. So next week we'll have the episode two talking about Open the Untouchable Gate, which it was probably one of my favorite things I think we've recorded just because of we have to, we've established a love of a certain wrestler on this show that we don't get to see that often in 2020. And after that, we will be getting pretty much Every other week, we'll have a new episode about the Rewind Rewatch until, I guess, 
things are more back to normal or there's another empty arena show, I think that's going to be our plan going forward. Does that seem about right, Case? Yeah, we will talk um, either about doing weekly or biweekly on the DGUSA stuff. Either way, keep checking your podcast feeds for those because those DGUSA shows are a ton of fun to watch. They're a ton of fun to uh, listen to us and then watch or go the other way, but the Dragon Gate USA stuff is all on Club WWN right now, and you get your first month free, so take advantage of that if you are stuck at home. Uh, I will plug my stuff real quick before we go. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore in your case, and if you liked hearing Mike and I talk and you would like to hear us talk about more stuff, <laughs> by the time you are listening to this, it will be out there in the world. The Art School Albums podcast that I host where every week I break down an album track by track. I had the man of the hour, Mike Spears, on this past week. We discussed American football's LP1. It is an hour-long discussion about uh, – college Mike Spears about uh, current day K slow who is in college. Um, we talked uh, about emo music and the great wonders of it all. And it's a super fun podcast. So if you want more of us uh, check out art school albums in the episode with Mike Spears, I uh, interviewed Aaron Bentley. That episode is out as well. And I have more people from the voices of wrestling family coming up in the near future. I'm really having here heard who's on the docket coming up. Skip mine and Bentley's episode. Actually, don't skip it. No, 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 no. I need the listens. Yeah, Please yeah, listen to them. Listen and to then this. subscribe, rate, and then listen to the following week's episode, which I recorded last night, which is an absolute delight. <laughs> I, I have to say, when you told me this, and I'm not going to say who it is, I knew immediately this is, as soon as this hits my feed, I'm going to listen to this immediately, stop what I'm doing, just because this seems like this could be one of those most important pieces of Voices of Wrestling family audio that could happen. So, oh, thank you, Mike. Well, that is all I've got. Yeah, uh, we plugged the Twitter account before, but just in case, at Open Voicegate, Case and I, we've been getting more active on it this year, and that's definitely something that we'll continue to do. And if there's any other weird lucha shows that Shun Skywalker and Yuki Yoshioka appear on, we'll be certain to drop links there. I'm at Fujiheya, like Don Fuji. You know what you get from me on Twitter at this point. I still haven't figured out my fourth tracksuit is going to be Case, but I've been looking at it with like bated breath trying to decide what i'm going to be getting for my next color try to decide between like a nice crimson or maybe going like bright blue like mm, highlighter that's a, blue that's a tough decision mike you're gonna have to make that decision on your own yeah i'm gonna do some soul searching you know talk to my friends and family and decide what's the best decision there but that's gonna do it for this edition open the voice gate please uh rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice and until next time take care